Tick, tick, tick. The clock continues to run, and recreational sales of cannabis in the Bay State are still being delayed by political red tape. Now, considering the Cannabis Commission is creating that red tape on the fly, it's really just a matter of time before the adult use market of marijuana launches in Massachusetts. So, how's that social justice initiative going? You know, the program that's supposed to rehab past weed offenders and give them an opportunity to enter the market. We'll talk with Donna Patalano, a Democratic candidate for the DA of Middlesex County, on this edition of In the Weeds with Jimmy Young. Welcome to In the Weeds with Jimmy Young, now supported by Revolutionary Clinics in Somerville, where patient advocacy and education comes first. Rev Clinics continues to host weekly workshops at their Somerville location and soon to be open Cambridge Clinic. Rev Clinics provides the highest quality medical marijuana products in the greater Boston area. Rev Clinic staff pride themselves in offering the very best in customer care so that you, the patient, will be their first priority. You can find this podcast on the clnsmedia.com network, on iTunes, Stitcher, and other podcast networks. A video of this interview is also available on the weedtube.com. Jimmy Young, and we're talking about a lot of things having to do with cannabis, the industry, but also touching on the human side. And this is one of the things that I appreciate uh, your candidness about your own family, because it is <laughs> we, we have to accept the fact that we are all human, we do make mistakes, but in order to make intelligent decisions about those basic things that we're going to face in our lives, you need to have education. And clearing the way to deschedule this drug, uh, this plant, as quickly as possible. And it does, I'm hearing yeah. that within 90 days, yeah. we might see it descheduled. I hope I live to see the day, uh, let's yeah. just say, whether it's 90 days or nine more years. I think we're moving in the right direction yeah. for this. But it, it, we have to start studying it more. And when you have a, a country like Canada, our northern brother, if you will, mm -hmm. legalizing this in October of this year, I, again, the almighty dollar, the, the people that I know that have invested in this industry, right. okay, <laughs> they're going to put some pressure on their politicians to say, hey, guys, we're losing money to those guys north of the border here. We need to deschedule this as quickly as possible. Right. And already Big Pharma has a drug that has THC in it for epilepsy. Right. Of course, it's $35,000 a year. Luckily, we, I don't have to deal with that. Yeah. But still, at least we have moved in that uh, that direction. Right. And, and so there seems to be this whole movement again. They recognize that this is a less harmful substance than alcohol. Alcohol has been part of our world now for uh, almost 100 years right. since Prohibition ended. And now there's this other uh, drug that comes along with that has shown medicinal benefits that the World Health Organization has already said, you know what? There's some medical benefits here. And even even those who we don't mention on my show uh, down in D.C., I will never I try not to mention the POTUS's name. I refer to him as POTUS okay. and his and his little disciples you know, that, you know, Mr. Jeff, let's mm -hmm. just call him Mr. Jeff. OK, OK. Even they have started to lean in the direction in certain conversations oh. that, you know what, there might be some medical yeah. uh, benefits here. 
this is positive news for those who have been on the normal side of things. And I'm talking about the National Organization of Reform of Marijuana Laws, the big lobby that has been around now for almost 30 or 40 years, finally seeing some action. Um, What's what's from your perspective as a future district attorney, uh, do you see the social action of undoing what has been done more important than the um, moving forward of accepting the fact that uh, there are still people out there who are getting arrested by law enforcement for over one ounce of possession, for um, the intent to distribute. Uh, What's probably the more reasonable goal, to to take care of those who have been incarcerated unjustly or uh, work on those who are still getting arrested caught by law enforcement. Well, one of the uh, you know real difficulties is getting a feel for actually how many people have been um you know or are now incarcerated um for marijuana um charges. And I I can't tell you those numbers because our criminal justice system operates in a black hole. Uh, it would be very interesting to to um, know. I don't, you know, my impression is that that's not a real issue now. At least in Suffolk County, if there were charges of marijuana possession, it was usually because somebody had a firearm uh, when they had been arrested, and it was really the firearm that we were moving forward on more than on the marijuana uh, charge. Uh, you know, as a district attorney, I think. I need to do both, look forward and uh, remedy some of the injustices from the past. One of the things that is important to me to do as district attorney is to make sure that we uh, remove those convictions for marijuana possession from people's records. So when I was a defense attorney, part of what I did was volunteer for the Women's Bar Association and uh, on a pro bono or, you know, as a free lawyer for women who had had marijuana possession. Um, So this was after the decriminalization, so it must have been 2008, Mm -hmm. after the decriminalization of less than an ounce of of weed, Mm -hmm. Um, anyone who had uh, that conviction on their record, we would for free uh, go into the court and file the right uh, motions for them so that they could get that conviction removed uh, from their record because for that one crime, you could lose your shot at public housing. Um, and so, and for some women, that was their lifeline to making sure that they could care for their family in this very expensive part of the nation to live for. So that was, to me, a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. And I think the idea of going back and vacating convictions that we're, uh, for possession of marijuana, it, it falls into that same category. You know, thinking about legally, uh, because appellate litigation is my specialty, there might be some nuances whether or not we have to put people on notice before we vacate those convictions. There might be actually a constitutional obligation for us to do that. So it might be a little more complicated than just saying, give me that eraser and let's go through the records and do it, you know, in a, a one fell swoop. Um, so that's something that I'm definitely, you know, on day one that we're going to start investigating and trying uh, to accomplish. And then, um, you know, as far as looking forward, it's just making sure that uh, we get that data so that we understand. Because right now I feel like we're in a no man's land as far as uh, marijuana charges are concerned. 
the voters have spoken. They spoke, uh, you know, clearly by a majority. The Chief Justice of the Supreme Judicial Court has had cases that have said the voters have spoken. It's time to get on board uh, because the train has already left the station, right? And um, and yet it's taken an inordinate amount of time to come up with these regulations. For me, one of the more interesting parts, in, in, uh, because I was on the zoning board in my hometown mm-hmm. for a dozen years, that's kind of my recreational lawyering, I've been sort of fascinated to follow the number of towns who have now... Uh, Blocked it. Yes. Yep. And, and you know, the idea that when the referendum was on the ballot, now towns saying, well, we didn't really know what was going on, seems to me a little disingenuous. We all know that the governor in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts has asked the commission and people around it to uh, crawl before they walk, before they run. Yeah. And he has definitely gotten that because yeah. they've now passed their, you know, July 1st was supposedly the deadline and right. now they've pushed it a little bit further. I mean, there is something to making sure that you implement it correctly from the beginning. You know, there's no, and it's hard, it is hard work in part because the Cannabis Commission doesn't have the experience. Right. Um, You know, and there are a lot of ironies in what's happening um, now. So I, you know, I appreciate the hard work that they're doing. um, But, um, you know, it, I think the voters have spoken. Yeah. And it's time to respect that vote. That seems to be one of the rallying cries. Um, And we'll certainly see what happens in the uh, the months ahead and what have you. Um, but again, it goes back to education. Now, speaking of the commission, and they just launched a their first PSA, which, yes. by the way, for three years I've been calling for a public service announcement for those who have medical cards. Um, just to ease or educate the public a little bit more about some of the benefits of this particular plant. Right. They have finally done it. They have an animated uh, video. Uh, Steve, have we loaded that in? We have not. But I tell you what we're going to do is we're going to play it in imaginary terms. Okay. okay? (laughs) And then we will talk about it uh, as if we just saw it. And basically the whole point of that message was these are the rules. You can have six plants at home or 12 plants if you have a double adult residents. Uh, you can carry under one ounce of mar- one ounce or under on your possession. And really and truly, that's the most that's the biggest message. And then sure. they do tag it with and don't drive under the influence. Biggest challenge for law enforcement is to actually come up with a way to test yes. those who have driven. Now, if you are under the influence of cannabis because you have a medical condition, how are they ever going to be able to discern who's on this stuff as a medicine versus someone who's on this stuff as a recreator? Right. Well, I mean, part of it is, um, you know, it, it's it's difficult. So as a prosecutor, you know, I had a number of uh, OUI cases mm-hmm. and they were sometimes, I, I you know, I did have OUI drugs mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to alcohol. Alcohol, there are ways that you can determine um, whether or not they're under the influence, um, nystigmatism uh, yeah. of the eyes um, or just the smell yep. and then the blood alcohol level. Yep. Um, if, you know, they were in an accident and they got to the emergency room and you, and you had a blood draw. Mm-hmm. So and, and never mind the breathalyzer, which is a whole different uh, ball of wax because whether or not they were uh, accurate or not. Yes, exactly. And there's a lot of litigation. Um, and Keeps I, a lot of attorneys in uh 
yeah, country clubs, I let's mean, just there say. Were, well, not the prosecutors, because prosecutors <laughs> right. aren't paid a whole lot of money, but there were a number of uh, attorneys who... Right. Um, and, it, and it's important that. to make sure that any forensic evidence that we use in the courtroom is actually legitimate and and uh, uh, is, is worth. Yeah, right, absolutely. Right, right. Yep. So so you know, kudos to the people who pushed that legislation. But um, you know, the part of we do need to make sure that people are safe and. Cars, you know, weigh three to four thousand pounds, and you know, making sure that people aren't behind the wheel when they're under the influence. And part of the challenge, in in fact, part of the challenge for running for district attorney is whenever you see a tragedy, uh, like the state trooper who was uh, killed. Um, it's probably been almost two years now by somebody who was under the influence. That is compelling story to push the narrative of legalization. And that's something that you need to have leaders who say that is a tragedy when that happens. But it doesn't mean that we don't move forward and we figure out the right way to educate people. And we do need to figure out whether it's a, you know, a swab, a cheek swab, if that works, if that's scientifically proven to be able to figure out uh, what levels are. Um, you know, there are, there are going to be some challenges um, to this. And the problem... Uh, from a prosecutor's, maybe problem is not the right word. Challenge. The challenge for a prosecutor is if somebody is driving under the influence and putting people at risk, um, I have to prove that beyond a reasonable doubt. And it's almost impossible to do that. Uh, So if we don't have the deterrence in that way, we need to use education to make sure, because I'm I'm positive that anybody who uh, is is, um, driving doesn't want to put anybody at risk. Um, And people who are using marijuana um, certainly would not want to be responsible um, for harming anybody else. Yes. um, You know, just going out on a limb and thinking about, uh, you know, the kind of person who's uh, smoking weed. Uh, I think they're kind and uh, sensitive individuals, and the last thing they would ever want to do is harm somebody else. Absolutely. Um, So if we can get that public message out there, that education message out there, and say, hey, you know, if you're going to enjoy, then you know, maybe your couch is the right place to be doing it and don't get behind the wheel. Um, But there's still plenty of responsible users who do get behind the wheel. And in fact, the Department of Public Health in Massachusetts just did a survey on their medical marijuana patients that showed a percentage. It's not not 100%. It's not 1%. It's a percentage of drivers that are going behind the wheel. Right. So I have a glass of wine, and you one can glass get, of wine, and I go behind the w- wheel. You're and not drunk. Not drunk. And, exactly. And not so, everybody who smokes weed understood. is stoned. Yes. And there is a difference between being high and being stoned. Right. And, But it's what a challenge for law enforcement. Yeah. I mean, I, I get it. I, yeah. I get the challenge. I really do. And, and from what I've heard over the last uh, year or so in this gray time, if you mm-hmm. will, law enforcement aren't writing tickets yeah. if they see public smoking. They're educating the public about it. When's the last time you walked through Boston Common? You can't walk through the Boston oh, Common please. without smelling weed. You I can't mean, go to a Celtics game or a Bruins game yeah, and not smell it nothing. either, okay? Because it's part of the city yeah. lifestyle and the emerging normal, And if uh, you will. from what I understand, in Boston, I mean, I was a prosecutor, so I, I, I went back to the DA's office and 2011 and was there until I started campaigning last fall in 20. 
2017. And after the decriminalization of under an ounce, I don't think any tickets went out after that right. um, because it just wasn't worth their time. Right. And part of what we litigated, and I was part of this, was figuring out how to advise our law enforcement partners if they stopped a car, let's say because there was a broken tail light or they went through a stop sign, yeah. and they smelled weed, right. uh, could they order a person out of the car? Uh, if it was burnt weed versus unburnt weed, did right. that make a difference about whether they could order somebody out of the car? And the answer that we found out, because the law didn't say that when it was passed, you know, how does it, in, and this is what we're having now with all these regulations, right. uh, you just cannot regulate or write a law that will cover all of the situations. So it turns out we litigated all these cases and the police cannot order you out, period, unless they see, like, two bales in the back of your right. car, which is, you know, just not going to happen. No, it's probably in the trunk. Yes, and, and, and then, the By trunk. the way, if you're stoned enough to put it in the back seat, yes. you should get a <laughs> ticket, okay? But for stupidity, yeah. not necessarily for possession, yes. my opinion. So, I'm sorry. Anyway, but that – so it's been really fascinating for me as an appellate litigator to see how that law has developed – and then also to see how the appellate courts have responded to the idea that the voters have spoken. And it's time to put this aside. And P.S., let's go back to that money argument. So maybe we get this industry underway because the tax uh, money that's going to be um, generated yep. from it. Yep. But from a legal perspective, a prosecutor's perspective, um, you know, putting aside all of these I'm going to call them low-level and now um, legal cases that were part of the criminal justice system before, saves us a lot of money. Right. And, you know, this year, this fiscal year, it's going to cost $90,000 a year in Middlesex County to incarcerate somebody. <sighs> so, you know, really, should somebody, should we be spending $90,000 a year to incarcerate someone because they've uh, possessed uh, a substance? Uh, I don't think that makes any sense at all. No, we need to come up with more educational programs, more rehab programs that that we're not putting I'm not espousing to put criminals on the street. Sure. Violent criminals. And neither on am the street. I. Let me right. be, I'm be sure clear. you're not. Yes. I'm sure you're not. But in this in these cases it definitely you have to look at the whole picture. And I think that's what the challenge is because that picture is emerging. I want to do I do want to talk to you about the gray area okay. that has emerged. The other day I was talking to someone okay. without naming names. All right. I would say they're in their 20s. Right. And we were talking about medical and the fact that, you know, recreational hasn't started. And, you know, I said, oh, you're a youth? Yeah, I use, oh, I get, okay, great. You know, you can get it any time, he says to me. Well, what do you mean you can get it any time? You just have to go onto this website and dial it up. Or I have a number. I call and bang. It shows up as a delivery service. Yeah. And, you know, technically... It is against the law because they don't have a license to do that. Right. Okay? But it's happening, and, yes. it's, and it's out there. It's one of the reasons why I do support legalization and the cleaning up of the industry because I do want to know where this came from, who grew it, what's in it. Okay? So right, a little quality control. Correct. So, by the way, the same thing happens with wine. You know where it's grown, right? right. So it, it definitely helps to know what this is going to taste like. Sure. Okay? Not dissimilar. And I always use the analogy of alcohol as the comparison because it is an adult substance that needs to be used responsibly. Mm -hmm. We all get that. So back to the gray area. Um, 
in other states, in mature markets, California, Washington, Oregon, I'll use the West Coast, I'll throw them all under the bus. Okay. Okay? They're already having, this is where law enforcement should be focusing their efforts, is to get rid of the illicit market Mm -hmm. and not protecting, but certainly um, allowing the new industry to evolve. Right. Can that happen in Massachusetts? Do you expect that to happen? I do expect that to happen, but honestly, I don't expect that to happen until the regulations are in place. Right. Because, um, first of all, the law enforcement, um, you know, there are limited resources. As, right. as uh, you know, it, as, uh, as much as there is, you know, police uh, agencies, they still have to focus on, I think, violent crimes mm-hmm. uh, first and foremost and keeping the community safe. And that's probably why I won't say there's a blind eye towards uh, the marijuana industry uh, right now, but there's a lot of other things for them to focus on. And I think primarily it's the opioid crisis right. uh, and dealing of, 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 of uh, opioids that is really taking the focus. Um, so the fact that we have this major public health crisis happening right now is probably one of the reasons why um, you know the gray area that is the marijuana industry now has escaped any real um, uh, law enforcement right. attention. And they're, they're, every, I'm on a lot of newsletters on uh, Leafly and I'm on, uh, gosh, Ganjapreneur. I mean, there's a million of them out there. And I tried to read as many as possible, including I'll give Dan Adams from The Globe This Week in Weed. He does a great job with his newsletter, okay. keeping up on what's going on in Massachusetts. And if you don't subscribe to it, I recommend okay. that you do. Sounds good. Um, because he does give you pretty much everything that's going on in the state. Um they are going after the illicit market in other mature states now. Colorado, I right. think I just read, uh, and they've shut down a few dispensaries too. Um, because- well, it makes sense because if if they can make tax money off of it, why would they let the illicit? And and I don't think it's about criminality, right? Right. It's about making sure that they get the tax revenue that they should be getting, in part because they want to make sure that whatever uh, collateral expenses are coming from having legalization that they uh, get the money to be able to pay for those collateral expenses. Absolutely. Um, like education programs, for example. And it's all, to me, it's all about it. And by the way, it's about education when it comes to race. It's about education Everything. when it comes to religion. It's about it. It's well, let so me tell important. you, I'm on the cam- I've been on the campaign trail for 10 months, and a big part about running for district attorney is a civics lesson. If you are a law-abiding citizen or your intention is to be a law-abiding citizen, why should you care who the district attorney is? Uh, you're not involved in the criminal justice system. And the answer is quite simply uh, what I said before. You know, we uh, should depend on our judicial system to be the moral compass of our government. And the district attorney is the person who has almost unfettered discretion and control over the criminal justice system. In Middlesex County, that's 35,000 cases a year. And the district attorney is not has no oversight by POTUS, by Congress, by our governor, or even our attorney general, has no oversight of the district attorney. The only people who have the ability to demand something of the district attorney are the voters of Middlesex. County. Um, And this is, you know, this election that we're in is uh, going to be controlled by the best, most progressive voters in the country in the Democratic primary on September 4th. 
And so we have a real opportunity here to have a district attorney who's had different perspectives, who isn't a law and order candidate. I'm running against an opponent who has been uh, prosecutor since Jimmy Carter was president. When we had a debate forum, um, she would not even answer the question about how she voted for the uh, uh, question for. Yeah. She wouldn't even answer the question. She just said, it's the law now. That's what I respect. Oh, goodness uh, To me, that's, uh, you know, that's not appropriate. If it's you, not paying attention to what's going on in well, the world around you. You know what? Here's the thing. Even <laughs> if she voted against it, you know, own it. Right. Own it and say, you know what? I didn't agree with it, but now it's the law and I know that I have to abide by it. Like have a little integrity. In right. Backbone. In other words, I abided by it when it was against the law. But now that it's yeah. law, I don't know. You know, I that's know. not so right. I, I mean, I will. That's maybe it's because I'm a first time uh, for the first time on the ballot. But I will always tell you where I stand. Um, and it doesn't mean that I'm not uh, open to listening to different perspectives and understanding that the law is constantly changing and we need to keep up with that um, and make sure we're doing the right thing. Well, for what it's worth, you have my vote. Thank okay, you. Okay, how's I that? It's worth the trip in that, here, I guess. That sounds great. I, I support like that. you. Please don't ask me for a check because I tell people my uh, autograph isn't worth anything, uh, even on a check. Okay? <laughs> so anyway, but I give you, I, I tell you what, I think the citizens of Middlesex County will be served really well if you Thank get you. this opportunity yeah. uh, because we need people who get it. Yeah. Well, it, I tell you, as a first-time candidate, it is such a gift to be running on this kind of uh, campaign platform. And again, it's part of a national conversation. The idea that we could actually have meaningful criminal justice reform. We could have a justice system that doesn't treat different people differently. Um, but we need to demand that of our elected officials. And the primary elected official that we need to demand that of is the district attorney. So, um, you know, uh, we're three weeks from the election now, and it is pretty exciting, I have to tell you. Well, I, I appreciate you taking the time yeah. off the campaign trail to come in to talk with us today and enlighten us a little bit more Pleasure. about the law. You are listening to In the Weeds with Jimmy Young, and it is supported by Revolutionary Clinics in Somerville and soon to be open in Cambridge. These Rev Clinics provide the highest quality medical marijuana products in the greater Boston area. Rev Clinic staff pride themselves in offering the very best in customer care so that you, the patient, will be there first priority. And of course, you can check them out at info at revclinics.org. That's info at revclinics.org. And yes, delivery is available in designated areas. You can find this podcast on the clnsmedia.com network, on iTunes, Stitcher, and other podcast networks. And yes, this video is also available at theweedtube.com. For Donna Patalano and our staff here at Little Park Media, including our director, Steve Helmuth, I'm Jimmy Young. Thanks for listening to In the Weeds. In the Weeds is a podcast produced at the studios of Little Park Media in Wellesley, Massachusetts for the listening enjoyment of our audience. None of the opinions or advice on this program should be considered medical advice or a substitute for seeing a certified medical marijuana practitioner or your local physician. All opinions and thoughts on this show do not necessarily represent the management of CLNS Media Group or Little Park Media.